Welcome, everybody. If you have headed in this direction, then you are in violation of jaywalking. jaywalking. That's right. You have arrived at Jubilee Street, a music podcast. This week, we are talking about a pretty cool new record, uh, something I suggested to Ian to cover uh, in the wake of our Abattoir Blues residency and the other projects we covered the last couple of months. Ian, what are we talking about this week? Uh, the record Hygiene by Drug Church. One man per crucifix form a line. Your turn is coming, just give it time. We don't toss away. Let's start with a little bit of our history with the bands that are kind of connected to this band. Why don't you take us from there? Well, okay, so Drug Church, a what you, like a uh, what's the general term for this kind of music? A post-hardcore band from New York. I think of them in my head as a new band. You probably do too, just the weird way time works. But they've been around for yeah. nine years now, and this is their fourth full-length record on top of some EPs they have. Um, mm-hmm. Their front man is a guy named Patrick Kinlan, who is kind of, I would say like a low-key celebrity in the hardcore world, even though neither of his bands are necessarily hardcore. He, I think, got more famous than his music did through like Tumblr and stuff 10 years ago. And then Twitter. Now he has this podcast called Axe to Grind that I feel like is like, the biggest thing in hardcore like hardcore kids yeah. love uh that podcast so me and jake i guess first started listening to end of a year which was a band he had in the 2000s that band turned into end of a year self-defense family which turned into self-defense family uh without the end of the year part drug church became a side project that kind of turned into the main band. There's a long tangled web of our histories or with this guy. Did you see them at Crazy Fest back in 2012? I can't remember. I think I missed that set. I we we went to Crazy Fest together though, didn't we? Yeah, but I think they played on a day you didn't go. So Yeah, I maybe only had a ticket for Saturday. Yeah, I've seen or Friday. Self Defense Family a few times. I've seen Drug Church a few times. He's a great front man. I've seen Self Defense Family live. Uh, I saw them at Bloodfest in Michigan in, uh, I want to say, 2014. Does that sound right to you? 2014, yeah. Uh, I remember being completely floored by seeing that band live. They were fucking awesome. And um, before that, I had gotten really into the, I think there's a record called Try Me. Does that sound familiar? Yes, I think that was their first one on No Sleep. Yeah. And it's got that interview. I think it's got an interview with um like a sex worker or like a like a someone who used to be like a Yeah, Patrick you know, prostitute or something like that. Um I remember really liking those interviews that were kind of interspersed between the tracks. Um Self Defense Family was always an a, a band that I found very interesting, but um, Patrick's vocals were kind of, you know, they didn't always click for me, but 
I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead here, but then they put out um, Have You Considered Punk Music? I think that was, help me out here, is it 2019? Something like that. Yeah, that was their most recent album. As you said earlier, time's kind of weird after the pandemic. Like, it feels like we shouldn't be in 2022. Like, everything just feels like we're permanently stuck in 2020. Um, But I loved that record. And um, I think it was on... Before we started the Jubies, I think when you and I used to just put out little articles that three people read on my blog, Friends All Day, uh, that one was was on our list or like an honorable mention or something. Um, and I've always had a lot of admiration for Patrick. He's writing an awesome comic book right now called Frontiersman that um, I'm just waiting to pick up a copy of the trade from my comic book shop. I really, really like that book. So I was really excited to check out this record and... I put it on almost immediately once I knew it had come out. So he's, you know, to anyone who's not familiar with this guy, he's a very controversial, is that the word, like, a figure? Um, not because he's... he's to w- oh, go ahead. All I was going to say is to to use a word that you used earlier, I've always just thought of him as direct and, like, yeah. unafraid of just like saying anything that he thinks. Okay. And, and I, I think that's it. right. So, you know, if you aren't into this world of music, I feel like um, the hardcore sort of scene has a lot of animosity towards the punk scene because they see it as too PC, too rigid, and it's uh, politics and beliefs, and maybe not rigid enough in the style of music it tolerates. The punk scene, yeah. I feel like, has a lot of animosity towards the hardcore world for being too violent, too militant. You know, so 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 you would think these scenes would be very close together, but they kind of hate each other. And yeah, I think Patrick Kinlan has found this niche of being a guy who, like, philosophically is a hardcore dude in the way he acts, but he kind of exists more in like the punk rock world. So yeah. He's not afraid to say shit that pisses people off. He's not afraid to go against the grain. He, I remember when they played Crazy Fest, they played an after show at a strip club. I think solely for the reason that that would make a lot of the more like, you know, PC punk crowd. Oh, I remember that. Uncomfortable. Yeah, they played a after show with Bane. It was the same night we were playing a different after show. Um, Ah, yeah. And I think. In his lyrics and in his persona, I think there's a little bit of like a wrestling thing going on where he's playing a character. He can be very abrasive, very unlikable, almost on purpose, I think. But I've met him a few times, and he's he's very nice in person. I think it's a little bit of an act. Um, I would. He's one of those people I would love to talk to. I I, I feel like I feel like he would just be an interesting person to talk to. Yeah, and I think that's what we'll get in. We can move into the record, Jake. I think that's my... I I don't agree with a lot of stuff he says a lot of the times, but similar to what we were talking about on the Shilpa Ray record, I think it's important to have people in these subcultures that aren't afraid to go against the grain. I think he could do it in a more empathetic way, but Mm. it's important to have these people. So 
listeners are probably like, are you going to talk about Drug Church or are you going to talk about Patrick Kenlin? I kind of feel like it's worth noting that the reason that we talked about this guy is, one, I think he's an important figure in punk, hardcore music, whichever you want to loop, whatever genre you want to put him into or whichever genre he's least offended by being put into because <laughs> I'm sure he's he would probably just be like, don't fucking do that. Oh, if um, he hears this, I'm sure he will write us like a note-by-note note breakdown of all the things we uh, said wrong. Listen... If there were a like a like a career high for me, it would be getting an email from him. So, <laughs> if we peak, if we peaked that early, we would only be so lucky. And I I don't say that sarcastically or ironically. Like it would be awesome to <laughs> hear from him. But um, anyway, uh, Drug Church is uh, hygiene is a really really neat record. So this band's from Albany, New York, which. I found interesting um, only because, you know, I'm sure New York has its own kind of blend of sounds and music. And um, this isn't really a hardcore band. This isn't really like a punk band. All of the reviews and stuff I read about this record compared it to grunge music the most or alternative music from the 90s. Did you get that from listening to it? Yeah, I would say Drug Church, uh, they, they've certainly gotten popular, but I think it's always been kind of a mix of let's say pop punk, like 90s post-hardcore, like Snapcase and Quicksand and that Seaweed. I don't know if you're familiar with any of that shit. That kind of like... Late, yeah, I like late, Snapcase. That I... late 90s hardcore. So when I say pop punk, that late 90s post-hardcore and grunge. Yeah. And I think uh, another band that always gets brought up, more with Self-Defense Family, but I think I hear it in Patrick's lyrics, or uh, I'm sorry vocals lungfish which is a band that i really admire and i need to listen to more and this album sounds really good like yeah, the sounds, music is really really good it's it's great i think it's mixed great i think yeah the recording is great I, I think it sounds amazing i think in any album we ever talk about that's not a nick cave record we're always going to compare kind of the the musicianship of the bad seeds to whatever we're talking about that's not the bad seeds but i do feel like there's kind of this like understated like quality to the production on the album there's i think it's like the i think uh, fun's over is the first track there's a there's like a vocal effect where you keep hearing like he reaches this sort of climax in his vocals and then it echoes once and then you would kind of forget about it after that but if you I with my head I had I was listening to it in my um my AirPods while I was working which have really I don't if anyone doesn't have AirPods like if you can afford to I got them as a gift for Christmas but they're like one of the nicest things I have um Haley got them for me for Christmas and they the sound on them is incredible for being like bluetooth headphones it's like it's insane but there's a lot of choices like that and um where I feel like the band is really tight, their rhythms are really good. It's really catchy. Almost every song is catchy. The al- the album has like no clunkers. And in the way that you described like Snapcase and and those sort of like '90s po- like hardcore bands, like I said, Lungfish. There's even some stuff going on here, like some Interpol stuff. Like I heard some Interpol in some of the way that he delivers his lines. You know, Interpol did a lot of this stuff like with filter where they would filter their vocals where it would kind of sound like you were speaking through like sandpaper and have kind of like a crunchy quality to it. Mm -hmm. They're doing that kind of thing. There's a lot of really like interesting choices that, you know, there's even some guitar lines that could be straight out of a Nirvana album. Like there's they're pulling from a lot of influences here, but it never feels like 
stale. It always feels very interesting. And I think the main thing that really sticks out are the lyrics because they walk this like very like fine line, like uh, what do they call it? Um, high wire act where it's like they're just barely not not cheesy. Like they they work on a like a very close level of being like cheesy, which makes sense given that Patrick can write pretty good comics. I I noticed the, I was thinking about those vocal effects a lot too. I think you know he doesn't have the biggest vocal range, especially compared to how much range the music on this album has bouncing between yeah. the different genres, like we said. So I, yeah, mm-hmm. they they whoever like engineered this and stuff found a cool way to throw reverb on his vocals or a chorus effect or um, doubled with a different harmony. They do all these cool little things throughout the album yeah, to give him more range than he naturally has. I hadn't thought about the Interpol comparison, but that's a great one because that's a similar thing. Like Interpol has a lot of different types of songs. That dude can only do so much with his voice, so they have to find you know, cool studio magic to you know, add that extra layer to his voice. Yeah, very true. And even like... Um the Interpol guy, like, always sort of sang in that, like, Ian Curtis mm-hmm. range, yeah. you know, the sort of, like, post-punk range. So, like you said, they they did... There would be times where he moved up in the register, and I don't know if we'll ever hear, you know, a Tom York falsetto from Patrick, but that'd be pretty cool to hear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I, I think the music is still, like, you know... I could do with a little bit less of the grunge influence and the 90s influence, but for what it is... Sure, yeah. I think these songs are like magnificent. I, I think, yeah, uh, the, good the, songwriting. The popular elements remind me a lot of what Touche Mori started to do. How they've like mm-hmm. uh, Touche Mori kind of re- reinvented themselves on this last album, like with these popular songs, and that would be a lament, right? Yeah, and then a lot of it reminds me of Title Fight, pulling in all the different '90s influences. Man, what happened to Title Fight? I, I don't know. I, I think they low-key broke up, but they never officially broke up. You know what I mean? Hmm. I mm-hmm. think like every couple years they'll play a show for like a charity, but I think they've pretty much broken up. The bass player, I don't know if you remember him, Ned Russin, he was like one of the main singers. He has a project mm-hmm. called Glitterer, and they have like three albums. I think that's his main thing now. That's cool. All right, it's just interesting. Uh, I but, cut you but, off though. You were no. Well, let's let's move into lyrics because that'll probably be the crux of the of the conversation. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the lyrics. I mm-hmm. think maybe you said they were riding the the borderline of cheesy. I think for me they are cheesy. But mm-hmm. what's what's some things that stick out for you? Where do you want to start? So as I again, I was like I I. When I'm doing research for these episodes, I typically I find reviews because I find that critics are going to like, you know, they'll either vary differently or they're all kind of have a different opinion. Um, And unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of variance in the reviews I found. But one thing that I felt like this record kind of exudes is this like cynical, like, um, kind of like pessimistic worldview, but the music sounds so positive that it ends up working on this sort of almost satirical level. Mm-hmm. And if his personality weren't so big, it would it would be easier to leave him personally out of it. But 
like having like followed him on Instagram and like seen his stories and like the way that he talks about things, he's vegan. Like I know that perspective and it's, it, it takes a lot of energy out of me. Like to hear people talk about like how much they enjoyed like a Popeye's chicken sandwich when I know like I'm happy that like my friend or this person like had an enjoyable moment in their life and I can't be an asshole and like slap it out of their hand and be like, you can't eat that. Do you know how much water this takes? Do you know the kind of suffering the animal went through? Like, and Patrick is smart enough to, to like, he, he's a, he's a smart lyric writer. Like some of it, it might not work for everybody, but I don't think that they're uninformed. And the reason I bring that up contextually is that like a lot of the lyrics on this are like, um, they are very like, uh, what's the, there, there's a line on one of the songs that's like, um, stuff that people pretend to like or liking things that like you don't actually like and stuff like that. Like there's all these sort of like sentiments like that where they are almost there. That's what I was saying with like the cheat, the, the almost cheesiness of it is it's like he is able to tap into this like 15 year old energy in a lot of ways where it really works and it, and it, and it really like, it really appealed to me because like I've been there, like I am the, like the dude that like knows that drinking tap water is bad for you or that like, <laughs> like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, and I know that I have to like, it's a constant reminder to remind yourself, like, don't be that, like, don't be that way. And so you kind of have to laugh at yourself. And I think that's why the lyrics worked for me is it was like he was showing me kind of this mirror that I feel like bothers me a lot about myself, but I also see it in other people. Like I'm projecting onto other people and it was really cathartic to hear these kind of ideas. My favorite lyric is probably, um, on D detective Lieutenant, if I do a double murder, uh, what this song did for you won't change an iota. I hope that's the right song. Yeah. Um, is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that just that just rang so true to, and it's not like a new idea because like there's been that whole conversation with like, you know, you're gonna cancel this person because of their music or because of who they are. You're gonna cancel their music, but you know, you you all still love Gucci Mane and he's killed people. You all still love Snoop Dogg and he's killed people. So it's like, you know where do you draw the line? And I think that's where the lyrics work for me is there's going to be a lot of kids who are way younger than us who I think might think twice. And I, I honestly, I feel like that's probably why may, maybe because we're older, it probably comes off a little bit more holier than thou. But I think also the things that we find pretentious or um, maybe even without putting a value judgment on him too much. I know this is like a music podcast, we have to, we have to have opinions, but, um, and I'll hand the mic over to you here in a sec, uh, is like, I typically think if you find something to be pretentious, it's because you see a part of yourself in it, or you're insecure about like agreeing with it. And that's why I like, I think the lyrics functioned well for me. What do you think? Okay. I have a, I have a lot to say about, I gave you a lot there. So the mic is yours. I'll start with the Detective Lieutenant song. I found that to be one of the most interesting ones, too, because I really like that chorus. We don't toss away what we love. I love the way 
It's a great chorus. I think a lot of times he is afraid to be super catchy. Like he feels like it's a cop out. And that song, they mm-hmm. just go for it with the catchy chorus. Like I think sometimes mm. he doesn't rhyme on purpose. I feel like he does these little things to like not fully make it a pop song. But that chorus is yeah. fully pop. I really like it. What's indicative of a lot of things he does throughout all his projects. I agree with that sentiment. And then he gets so specific with it that I almost mm-hmm. like disagree with it. Like, uh, the if I did a double murder, the, what this song did for you wouldn't change. I, I don't agree with that. I feel like the reason I... I like the idea of separating the art from the artist, uh, but not ignoring what the artist did. I feel like if someone can listen to Charles Manson's music and find it moving, yeah. mm-hmm. to me, that's like a lesson in empathy. As a human, you can grow and be like, oh, this person did these horrible things, but they still made something beautiful. Like, I, I feel like that. I would agree with that. I feel like um, appreciating art by bad people is a way to grow as a person and realize how complex people are and how we all could have these horrible things inside of us. And I don't know. I I just, when he got specific about it, I didn't agree with it anymore. And I feel like in general, he comes off to me as very preachy, uh, very like, I need everyone to know I'm the smartest guy in the room and mm-hmm. lacking in empathy. Like, I like songwriters that write songs is a way to understand other people. And I feel like he writes songs is a way to, you know, it comes from the hardcore mindset. I'm not an angry person. He writes songs to kind of vent. Yeah. And if I could be so bold to say, like, maybe you have a very, you as Ian McCurtis have a, you have such a visceral reaction to that because you have a way that you see the world that you believe to be correct in your view and that he is challenging that might be challenging to you because there might be something in that that you don't want to address in yourself. What do you think about that? Because that's how I reacted to it. I was like, it definitely had me thinking about like people that I've, you know, given a pass to that weren't really that great, you know? Yeah, and that's that's why I return to his music so much because it challenges me. I just mm-hmm. instead of him being someone I like, I think his art mm-hmm. could be something I love if he just wasn't so angry and just had wrote with a little more kindness and a little more empathy and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He he rarely makes himself the subject of a song. And mm-hmm. when he does, I feel like he is never a lyricist who's able to be vulnerable in revealing Interesting. about himself. I feel like he always has to make himself come off as kind of cool or he's very guarded. I don't, I don't know. I feel like we're going to ruin any chance of him ever coming on. I feel like he strikes me as like being insecure. Well, we are. We all are, aren't we? Oh, for sure. But I feel like, I mean, I'm a hugely insecure person, but I think what draws me to making art is a way to express that side of myself. And uh, again, that's like, maybe that's just the hardcore thing. Like hardcore music is not, you know, it's antithetical to hardcore to be vulnerable. Like it's all about being tough. That energy just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, they, they, 
I feel like I've said this already, so I'll just be redundant. Um, they have, they're like skating a fine line between like um, that sort of that sound that they're going for has a very like kind of guardedness to it. Like I think the sort of hardcore um, status quo modus operandi is, you know, let's make sure that this music sounds really tough and it has like these certain types of parts so that people can dance and like get into it and like get their like frustrations or emotions out by dancing and singing along. And then you kind of get, you end up losing the sort of emotional impact. I think that's why we had that um, wave of, you know, in the mid two thousands, all of those scrams bands and emotional hardcore was like a headline everywhere. Pianos become the teeth and, Mm -hmm. you know, self-defense family end of the year kind of rode right on the, the, like they were kind of the, the insider band on that wave, like they were on tour with a lot of these bands, but they weren't like put on that label, you know, and drug church kind of feels similarly in in that. But I think what is the saving grace for these songs is that maybe we're unpacking more by looking at these lyrics and how they make us feel. And maybe there's a part of you that doesn't maybe want to give the band credit for like kind of maybe cracking some part of your facade. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I think that that's what they're trying to do, you know? And a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And it is an, an, like a, there is like a discomfort to a lot of the lines, you know, like there's a line on a million miles of fun, which has that chorus. That's like news flash. I need news less. And, you know, there's a lot of people who they really value watching the news and like uh, keeping up with like current events. Um, I know you do. And like, I don't know, a lot of this stuff is targeted at liberals, like liberal minded people. And he, he attacks people that think similarly to us a lot, you know? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's... Did I go uh, too far there? I'm not trying to accuse you of anything specifically. I also feel similarly, but... No, uh, not, not at all. Um that's what keeps me coming back to the music he makes year after year. I mean, I've been a fan of his. I know because it like, for like that's the thing is it it gets a rise out of you. You know, twelve years. I, I find him annoying, but I also find it fascinating because I'm like, well, you know, it makes me think about things. I'm like, well, why do I find this annoying? Let me examine mm-hmm. myself, and that's why I think he's a valuable artist because nothing he makes is going to be my favorite record so far, at least, but. It always makes me like think about myself. It doesn't really change my opinion, but it like sharpens the knife. You know, I'm like, well, why do I disagree with this? Let me make sure I'm sure of myself because this is something that's like contrary to how I would normally think. And that's valuable as fuck. That's the same thing we said about Chilperay. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's there's a quote from that this makes me think of from Kumail Nanjiani that I remember hearing Pete Holmes say in one of his anecdotes. And he was like, you know, the thing about vegans are is they, they kind of have a point, you know, while he's like, he's like, I love eating meat, but the thing about vegans is they have a point. And I think that that's kind of the sentiment of a lot of these lyrics is it's like, fuck, like, you kind of got me there, like, um, and I also think that there's probably a lot more people like you that do give 
you know, people credit for making great art, even if they have committed like a heinous crime. I don't think that that's like a new concept in music. It's constantly, I, I don't know. I don't want to take your words out of context. Is that what you said? That like you think people deserve it's like a chance or something like that. I don't know if the people deserve a chance. Like, what's one of the most famous ones? Uh, Wagner, like the composer, mm-hmm. being a horrible person, but making mm-hmm. some of the most beautiful classical music. I don't think mm-hmm. Wagner deserves a chance. Like that dude from, mm-hmm. by all accounts, fucking sucks. But I think if, yeah. if as a person you can recognize that someone who is horrible could make something that beautiful, it, mm-hmm. it it is very good for the empathetic side of your brain. It's like food for it. It's like a, a sense of real, mm-hmm. realization that mm. that like beautiful things can come from bad people. Bad things can come from beautiful people. Like you know, yeah. you just it's like a big fucking zen human truth. You realize. Yeah, uh, I apologize to the lis- listeners. Ian just reread "Be Here Now." <laughs> just kidding um i gotta read that too uh no i i didn't mean to deflect that um yeah i think that what i get what you're saying and i think that in general that idea is very um heartwarming because you're choosing in a world where there is so much hate and violence and you know, death and, and danger, you're, you're choosing to find humanity in everything. And I think that that's an admirable thing that I'd like to believe a lot of humans do, you know? And I think that if we all choose to be judgmental and like focus on the negative, then it ends up, you know, that might be why this album isn't going to be for everybody. That does bring me to my next point. We can still stick with the lyrics, but I do think that if I I might've already said this, but I, I want to say again, the lyrics function much better because this record sounds so happy. It's like the happiest music I've ever heard Patrick sing on. And, and, I, and I've listened to a good chunk of the self-defense family like catalog and, and, I, and, and uh, not enough drug church. I, I, I remember getting the, one of the, the first things they put out. I think I had on an iPod. Hard to believe I had an iPod. Um, now that everything's like digital on streaming but anyway any other lyrics that stick out to you well i i think i mean you've really touched on i i feel like the two things that keep running through the album are the sort of separating the art from the artist the sort of cancel culture commentary and then the can i sort can of, i add something yeah yeah can i add something that, another thing that i i before i forget to bring it up that's also connected to the lyrics. So there's there's that song, Athlete on a ben- on Bench, and there's a line in the song, I'm living between shrinking margins. And it occurred to me that this is a, this is an idea that you and I, I don't, I, I probably think about even less because I've never been, I've been in a band that's been on tour for a weekend once, and then we broke up like six months later. But there's definitely like, we all have this kind of like optimism that this this album I think kind of tries to break through with its with its own kind of perverse optimism in a way or maybe reverse optimism. <laughs> uh, and what I'm getting at is like he's been doing this for a long time. I think that you can tell how his writing has changed from that last end of a year record to this. 
And that lyric in particular, it's like, Jesus Christ, like, let's all put into perspective that we might all be able to start going to venues again. And if we're in bands, if we're lucky enough to know people in our city to play music with, which is such a beautiful thing that I wish I had not taken for granted as much as I did when I was younger and I was still in some of the bands I played in. And like, you know, I don't regret any of my decisions, but there were things I I think I could have done smarter and better. And I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like being a long-term like artist messaging on this record where it's like, at what point does your job become being in a studio and then touring for nine months out of the year, 10 months out of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw an interview where he talked about that a lot. Like he said that he thought of himself as like a blue collar worker, like the same as like a, I don't know, like a taxi. Is that the stereo gum? I believe so. Like the same as like a a taxi. That's the one I read too. Which again is an idea that I pretty vehemently disagree with, but I find it interesting the the living between shrinking margins you know he was talking about how the two things he loves doing making music and writing comic books are uh, are becoming less and less popular every year and yeah comic books maybe not so much now could be wrong though if and if he's successful he'll make like $30,000 in a year which is nothing like then you have to pay taxes and Healthcare and blah blah blah, and a lot of that money is probably coming from cash, so, from like merch sales and stuff. So, in the interview, he was like, "So, take everything I ever say with a grain of salt. Like, why should you fucking listen to me? I'm kind of like a failure." And <laughs> I wish that, I hate that sentiment though. I wish that like lightheartedness and that humor was on the record a little bit more. I think it would. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find his persona in music to be very holier than thou, and I would I would love a little bit more of that, you know. Yeah. Poking fun. Yeah, the self deprecation. Yeah, like. Yeah. But I realized. That, like, no, I totally you know, agree. I, I was poking around on the hardcore, our hardcore, like the subreddit, and seeing people mm-hmm. talk about drug church and people's differing views on the band. Mm-hmm. And I realized, dude, that the hardcore subreddit is a wild place. Just like. All these hardcore dudes and women, I'm sure, and a message board together is is wild to lurk. Um, But I realized to a lot of those people, I'm like the definition of a soft boy. Like, I would rather listen to Touche Mori and Pinos become the teeth. I Mm -hmm. would rather get in touch with my emotions and, like, I'm not angry, like... So, yeah. so I realized... He, R- rarely do I feel the urge to punch somebody. Yeah, and I know Patrick Hinlan doesn't make hardcore music, but I feel like he is a hardcore... He, he comes from that that world. Um, yeah, he's definitely that got that sentiment. I don't think he would disagree with that. And yeah, I mean, and he... His podcast is like the biggest thing in hardcore. So I realized that a lot of what he... The, the way he speaks is going to be like a culture shock to me. And I kind of welcome it. Yeah, I think it'd be great for all of our listeners to welcome this kind of thinking at least every now and again in between your, you know, listens to Boatman's Call and, uh, you know, Skeleton Tree and Push the Sky Away. Like, you know, 
get a little bit of drug church in your life. You know, it having good hygiene never hurt anybody. And I definitely think that this is a juby contender for me. It'll probably be it, it 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 could be knocked off depending. I don't even know what the fuck we're getting this year. I feel like we were in a lull until this and then another record we're going to talk about here in a second briefly. Um, we were kind of in a lull for a little while, and I was going back and listening to like at the drive-in, uh, Comadre, uh, Converge. Only like really like one Converge song, Concubine from that uh, Jane Doe record, and that new Z Loopers album came out. I don't know if you've heard that, but. Uh, it's it's pretty good. So anywho, um yeah, this is this is a cool record, I think, to kind of finish up on the lyrics. Um there's a lot of stuff we didn't touch on. I think uh as I I'm thinking about maybe if they offer like a CD t shirt package, I'm thinking about picking up a t shirt. They're actually coming to San Diego in a couple weeks and I'm gonna get tickets, so maybe I'll hold off and pick up some merch at the show. But I definitely want to support them. I think this is a cool band, and if they continue on this trajectory, I think their next record will be even better than this one. Yeah, I will. You know, I don't think I like this nearly as much as you, but it is my favorite drug church thing. I, You know, I was really into the idea of Patrick Kinlan starting a more straightforward punk band, but that first album, Paul Walker, you know, didn't do that much for me. Cheer was like a big deal, and I thought it was better. And I do think at least the songs on this are great. I, you know, Patrick Kinlan's just tough for me, but I'm always going to check out what he does. I find him endlessly fascinating. Yeah. I wish, there, and I wish there were more Patrick Kinlan's in punk rock. You know what? I say we just end the conversation there. I wish there were more Patrick Kinlan's in punk rock. He, he, I don't know if like fundamentally him and Fat Mike would agree on much of anything, but like it's a oh, similar, it's a, be... it's a similar like idea, like. Okay, if yeah. the if the promise of punk is like to do whatever the fuck you want, then I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. And I wish there were more people mm-hmm. like that. Shout out Fat Mike. We'll be doing a uh we'll probably be doing an episode about him in the future, I'd imagine. They got a record coming out this year. Oh shit. If it's if hey, if it's if we can be the only what? music we'll talk critics about to it. cover it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No effect man, it's such a bummer to even I know that you're joking, but I do I never see them get reviewed when they put new stuff out, but that world of I just gotta say like, I think about that a lot. I think about this is a quick tangent. How like yeah. there's certain bands like like ten years ago, Titus Andronicus was like this uh internet critical darling. Like you couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere on the internet without seeing Titus Andronicus. And then they play shows to like two hundred people. Yeah. No effects can go anywhere in the country tonight and play to at least a thousand people, probably way over that. Yeah. And these like quote unquote like serious music people don't you know, it's just like this world of punk rock that like people don't think is important and I don't understand it. And it's I'm sure it's you the know same I, with hip hop, I'm sure it's the same with every genre. I just dude, if year after year this person or this this band is like bringing thousands of people to shows and selling tens of thousands of record, then their art is probably mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. You know, when you sent me the NoFX book for my birthday last year, I read like maybe 30 or 40 pages of it, and then I kind of put it away. I had just had some other stuff I wanted to read. But maybe after I'm reading this current book I'm on, I'll uh, 
I'll pick that back up and maybe we can do an episode about no effects because I don't know if I ever told you this, but I told, I told my, my friend Andrew, who is my barber, I mentioned to him that, um, I was listening to a lot of no effects and his reaction to it was really interesting to me because he didn't really have much to say about it. And I don't want to like put any words in his mouth cause I don't remember exactly what he said, but he did kind of have this sentiment that seemed maybe like not positive about no effects. Like, like he said, he had something about like how like that scene of like Southern California hardcore, like wasn't for me. And, um, I'll have to ask him because I'm going to see him tomorrow. But uh, NoFX is like a polarizing band. I remember in the Slack channel, I remember posting about them and people were like, oh yeah, didn't this band like give piss to their fans? <laughs> I was over it after that. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I was kind of like, it, when I saw that, I was like, I get it. But I'm also like, you missed the point if you thought that's all it was about. Which I get it. It's gross. You shouldn't give people fucking pee. But I... I think that because you and I are such big fans of like Andy Kaufman and, you know, I don't really think that we like, we would like Gigi Allen as a person, but I think that there's something appealing about those kinds of like larger than life. Yeah, I appreciate that. It fuck, f- fuck with you mentality. I'm glad I never got th- shit thrown at me. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> I- I've gotten that my whole life, dude. Like, you know, on tour, if I meet people and talk about music I'm into, people act like, like shock that people shit on no fx yeah any of that like fat records epitaph stuff that like it's for children and i just don't i don't get it i just don't get it i'm telling you this is the last thing i'll say about no effects because we got something else to talk about that i'm excited to talk about and every every time i listen to punk and drublick punk and drublick pump up the volume or valium or whatever uh and um what's the other one war on errorism war on errorism I I feel so happy. I I I love singing along to it. It sounds good. That like the 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 guitar solos are amazing. Like the instrumentation's amazing. It consistently baffles me that I don't hear a lot about that band. And and they're like, like progressive. You know, I know they've had like substance abuse issues, but they're like progressive politically. I think I think Fat Mike right. got in trouble for saying some stuff, but. I feel like because we're talking about like self-defense family and like that scene, like there's probably been shit that they've said that's controversial. Like, yeah, but I their intentions like, are always for left-leaning people. No effects intentions are always in the right place. They've always been pro LGBT stuff, pro yeah, doing whatever the fuck you want to do sexually or with your gender pro, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie Sanders sector, liberal socialism, like, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't get. I don't get the hate. If you want to hear more about No Effects, uh, we'll be doing an episode in the future on them. So, don't know when that'll be coming. <clears throat> okay, but Jake. So now we're gonna do a little punkarama. We covered. Oh, let church. me do one last. Okay. Let good. me do one last thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can edit this, but I do want to. I do. I. I feel inclined because we we Drug Church is a smaller band than what we usually talk about. Uh, so to finish off the drug church part, I just want to say drug church is a hardcore band from Albany, New York. It features Patrick Kenlon on vocals, Nick Kogan and Corey Galusha on guitar, Pat Wynn on bass and Chris Villan- Villanueve on drums or Villeneuve. 
Um, that's I'm just getting that from Genius.com. So if that's if those members have changed, my bad. Uh, check out their album, Hygiene, um, and go see them live because I really think they're going to be great live. So anyway, uh, Ian, sorry, redo what you were going to say. So now we'll move into a little punkorama. We don't talk about the punk rock stuff is often. It's the punkorama, biatch. Other genres. So we're going to think at the very end, I'll real quickly talk about a few things. But now let's talk about a record I guess we both heard for the first time last week by mm-hmm. a band called Sweat, a Los Angeles mm-hmm. hardcore band. And I think me and you both were just kind of blown away. They're a pretty unknown band, and the record's really Man. good. So uh, you shared this last Friday, I think, and I put it on, and my immediate reaction to it, I texted it. I was like, oh, this rocks. <laughs> I was like, this rocks. Um, and then I listened to the whole album over the weekend, and then I listened to it twice today, and I, I think another time when I was at the gym earlier this week. And then I looked him up, and while I was I, I was listening to Comadre, and I was like, man, I'd really like to have like a Comadre shirt or something like that, you know, because we got to show people what we like. We got to put it on our shirt. And they don't have anything, but I found out that they were on Vitriol Records, and lo and behold, Vitriol Records is still a label, and Sweat is on that label. So that was interesting to me because. Sweat directly reminds me of that sort of like not quite emo, not quite punk, not quite hardcore, not quite sound that I believe usually gets qualified as like scrams. But Sweat is like sort of this like in your face, bombastic, like it just it just sounds like punk music. It's really good. It's really, really good. I hate the word that I'm using the word good. The record is called Gotta Give It Up. I was... I had to look it up because I was really paranoid that I uh, didn't remember right. I I love bands that um, make themselves ungoogleable, like you know. The, yeah, like, there's not much about them. They they consciously um, make it hard to find out information. And Sweat is a genius band name because okay, mm-hmm. if you Google Sweat, they're not gonna pop up. Even so, if you type in Sweat Band, exactly. The next thing you would try to do is Sweat Band. That's not going to work either because a sweat. I, I, I think it's so funny. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the reason they called themselves that, but if so, I think it's hilarious. Uh, probably not good in There's the long definitely... term for them, but I love, I love bands that like uh, break a search engine. Well, I really, really foresee this band blowing up as big as they want to. Um, and I hope so. I think talk this is a. Ab- uh, you know, every I, I keep my ear to the floor in like hardcore. Like I check out a lot of new bands and rarely find ones I like. Mm-hmm. So is that I, why you go through many Q-tips? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like a tribe called Quest. Um, <laughs> the Kama- I, I can see the Kamadre thing after you mentioned it. What I heard was more. It's just the high pitched vocals. I heard more the sort of umbrella bands that I think Modern Life is War inspired. Yeah. So dangerous a little bit. Single mothers. Um, there was this really obscure band on on Red Scare Records called Vultures United that I loved. That I think sounds a lot like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, Single Mothers is actually on tour right now at Drug Church, so shout out to them. Um, shout out. But, but yeah, it's... Um, oh, and you know what else? I, I, I thought this band sounded a lot like whenever I put on Every Time I Die, like what I want them to sound like. Oh, that's a really good. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, it, it's got the riff. It's got like you know the riffage that every time I die does. It's catchy like every time I die, like melodic screaming, and mm-hmm. I just like. I don't dislike every time I die, but I like this a little more. Oh, this is so much better than every time I die. But it's like it's similar, and though I don't know, there's something similar about it. Yeah, no, I I totally get what you're saying. I I just um, you know me I. I'm not fucking around. And uh, this band is just like, I'm fucking around with this band. Like, it's it's rowdy, it's raucous, like, it's angry. And if there's any energy in music that I think, like, identifies me the most is that because I'm kind of a, I'm not very confrontational, I don't like arguing, I don't like feeling that stress, this music is so cathartic to me to listen to because it's so fast paced, mm-hmm. loud, punchy, and it gives me that energy that I wish I had to ha- like punch people in the face and like tell people to fuck off. And um, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it. And I looked up the, I tried to find all of the band members, but I guess they're all rotating members on other Vitriol Records bands, mm. like Graf Orlock, Dangers, Dog Teeth, and some of the other bands. But the singer's name, uh, and she's listed as a wrestler as well as an actor and a singer. Uh, her name is Tuna Tardugno or Dugno. Um, I wonder what a wrestling name I th- is. I, uh, that's awesome. I wonder if it's someone I've seen a match by. And uh, I just thought that was kind of wow. serendipitous because you brought up that uh, Patrick Kendlin is kind of has kind of like a wrestler persona in his music. Man, and that makes me just, like them so much more. I got to check out uh, this woman's yeah. wrestling. So so even if you're listening to this, even if you don't plan on listening to this record, if hardcore is not your thing, look up the Sweat Gotta Give It Up album artwork. It looks like... Yeah, it's great. You know, it just looks instantly iconic. It's got this cool uh, kind of psychedelic font, and then it has like a, mm-hmm. a horizontal black and white photo of a of a woman like uh weightlifting and like a leotard and it just mm-hmm. it looks like one of those record covers you're gonna see straight everywhere. out of the 80s yeah yeah for sure and this Do you remember this band only has like go, go ahead you know every song has well under ten thousand listens on spotify they this band mm-hmm. you know you can get on the ground floor of sweat i'm not trying to be a salesman or anything but i really think mm-hmm. this band's gonna blow up and like no one knows about them right now yeah, uh, I think it was definitely like a cool... Th- How did you find out about this band when you shared it? Where'd you hear them? So I, you know, not as much as 10 years ago, but I, I still check punk news from time to time. and I knew it was fucking punk news because that's where I, I found a review okay. on there. And I was like, I bet this is how you heard about it. Yeah, and I'll kind of gl- gloss over the reviews. If something has like four and a half or five stars, I'll look at the review and see if it's something I want to check out. And someone just wrote a really glowing review of this. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll at least listen to a song. And I loved it. I still feel like we haven't done a good job of describing the music, but neither of us being that into hardcore, it's, it's hard for me to really, uh, get uh, that great of it's, a it's, comparison. it's catchy. It's hooky. Um, 
almost every guitar line is 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 like a an excellent riff. Um, yeah, I feel like there's my a lot favorite of like song, I feel like there's like Iron Maiden and Metallica influences in here. Like yeah, it it the, it's like thrashy at times. Yeah. Um, uh, my computer is moving really slow. I'm trying to pull up the name of the the song, but it's the sixth track. If you have it pulled up somewhere, and sixth track, yeah, um, I mean Bone to Pick. Bone to Pick. There's a the first like minute of the song is sort of just like straightforward, you know, and then it goes into this louder driving section, and the guitar line sounds almost like a fucking Ennio Morricone. Like Western, yeah, yeah. like totally. badass lick, you know. This is a band I'm like, I am like looking for to go see live. And also, I'm a, I made a lot of different points there, but also it's worth noting this record's under 30 minutes, which is and, and the Drug Church record was under 30 minutes, and that's something I really appreciate if a band can make like an, a lasting impression with a really like, you know, considering most albums are like 50 minutes at least these days. Yeah, I don't think a hardcore record should be over 30. I think it really shouldn't be over like twenty. This one might be like twenty five, but they have a little. They've got one song on here that's four, almost five minutes long, so they this, definitely go for it. But it never has, gets old. Yeah, they have more to say than your average hardcore band. You know, it's never. I, I like hardcore and I like it, but I dislike it so much of the time. There's no douchey breakdowns. It's not macho feeling or anything like that. It's not overly violent. It's just angsty and catchy and fun it's everything the genre should be to me absolutely um i'm trying to find like a like what they're described as but um most of the notes that i have they're just they're just they're they really are kind of like a straightforward hardcore hardcore band but they're just so much more pleasant to listen to because it's not all like breakdowns and you know, D beat and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, 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 and it's ear hooks. Like yeah. it's the kind of music where you hear, you hear it and then you're like, ah, oh, man, I need to hear that again. I think like, I think I need to listen to that song like twice in a row. And I did that with the, um, the song mentioned prior. Uh, let me see. I got Bone it to pick. up here now. Bone to pick. Uh, like I just kept listening to that song over and over again. And then it's just, it's just got that fun, like aggro energy on it. Like, the world is a bastard is such a like a bastard. It's such a juvenile kind of idea, but it like it, it's just in, so fun. in most it's just like it reminds me of this line that I wrote for Android 18 that was everyone's a bigot and how it's like so angsty and silly, but it also like functioned really well in like the sentiment of our band and the song. So it well, yeah, everything they do works. That's the shit I was talking about. Drug churches. Uh huh. I, I think to pull off corny lyrics, you have to like be winking at the audience and do it in a fun way. And yeah, Patrick Hinlan is rarely fun. Sweat can do those same lyrics and make it work for me because they're kind of winking at you and they're like, "Yeah, we know this is silly. We're just having a good time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even some of the the like. The the articles here mention that it's just simply a like I'm quoting it here is got to give it up. the The band may be smiling in the Polaroid style liner notes photos, but there's a well thought out undercurrent of anger and sadness running through these songs that elevates. Got to give it up mm-hmm. beyond being simply a fun hardcore album. I think that yeah. kind of sums it up. A lot of roots of like 80s you hardcore. Heard it here. A lot of Minor Thread and Chromags and 
all that classic stuff, Gorilla Biscuits. That's that's actually from the Punk News review, so shout out punknews.org. Who wrote this? Lord of the Left Hand. Shout out Lord of the Left Hand. Lord of the Left Hand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what got to give it up. Trust me, in like two years, this band's going to be huge. Yeah, I think... Uh, if they don't break up or something. I think this was a really fun like week for me with music because this encapsulated like a lot of the stuff that we liked last year but it also kind of shows that like the direction that hardcore music's moving in and like punk music in general and um turnstile got brought up a lot around these two records and Mm -hmm. i think that turnstile kind of um opened a new chapter for this type of music where you can make something that is just as heavy and impactful but also be very pretty and appealing without being like completely abrasive, you know? Yeah, hardcore is always kind of rigid and it takes longer to catch up than other genres. So we've seen, yeah. you know, over the past 10 years, we've seen other genres that spanned like, you know, remember like 10 years ago when all these rappers started wearing like punk clothes and now you have people uh-huh. like Machine Gun Kelly fucking doing whatever he's doing. And then in indie rock, there's people using hip hop production uh, and mm-hmm. country, US girls. there's people using like radio pop. There's, you know, there's all this genre matchup going on. It took a while for mm-hmm. hardcore to catch up, but I think now with Turnstile, Ceremony was ahead of the game. Drug Church, Sweat. I think I think you're going to see a lot of like hardcore bands kind of expanding the idea of what hardcore can be. And there's hardcore bands that are moving out of like their traditional sound and becoming like new metal bands, like Code Orange. There's one band from Louisville, Knocked Loose, that is like fucking huge. Mm -hmm. And every time I listen to Knocked Loose, I don't like it. It's just not for me. And then there's bands like Angel Dust, who is like a hardcore band mm -hmm. that turned into like a violent femme style, like acoustic rock band. Dude, shout out Angel Dust. I need to listen to them again. I think I remember really liking that band. Yeah, I always forget how huge Knocked Loose is. They like headline it's insane it's like it's it's kind of they make me feel the same way as like bryson tiller like bryson tiller like you want to like it no well yeah sure i'd like i mean i i I like some of his features but like he's like this huge artist from louisville and i Mm -hmm. feel like louisville has all these like artists that blow up that jack harlow like people from louisville like me don't really care about that much you know and or it's not for me you know um my morning jack jack my morning jacket, like people always say, I look like uh, I am Yim Yims. Um, Have you ever but, thought about doing a My Morning Jack Harlow mixtape? No, that's an idea for uh, anybody else in the Weevil. Why don't you give that to the Wilkerson's or <laughs> My Morning White Jack Reaper Harlow. to do? <laughs> My Morning Jack Har- 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 Harlow, yeah. Anyway, yeah, sweat, gotta give it up. Drug church, hygiene, some solid. Uh, 2022 punk releases, hardcore releases. Um, Ian, you got anything else for the audience before we let them go? Yeah, I'm going to real quick just shout out a couple other punk records while it makes sense to talk about it. Um, Sure. So one of the most important bands to me in my life, Hot Water Music, they just put out an album. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Last Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's their best album in since 2002, if not since the 90s. Um, yeah. Hot Water Music, just legends. Like, 
Mm-hmm. A, a band that like really kind of helped me recontextualize masculinity. They're all, you know, bearded, gruff dudes who like do woodworking and live off the land and like, you know, all the shit we think of men doing. And their music. They're just is, all Nick Offerman. Yeah, you pretty much. They're, I was gonna say that they're like if Ron Swanson was a band. Um, yeah, I'm with you. But their music is always positive. It's always about community. It's always you know, helping each other out. Um, I remember Chuck Reagan is one of the two singers and, you know, just another like Patrick Kinlan, kind of like a punk celebrity. And Mm -hmm. if you're the type that wants to be this like masculine dude, I think he's the kind of person you want to be. I always remember when Lord Jane Grace first came out as trans, Chuck Reagan was like so supportive immediately, like could not be just more supportive. And I feel like that gave a lot of like punks who were like felt weird about it. Like, okay, well Chuck Reagan is cool with it. Then, you know, Mm -hmm. I need to educate myself. I I just have, I just have a ton of respect for them. So check out that record. I'm forgetting what it's called. Let me pull it up. Hot water music. The record is called feel the void. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, cool album artwork. Yeah, they got um they have the same artist who does all their artwork since the very beginning. I think it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's different than like anybody else. And then two records by probably for my money the best guitarist in punk music, John Rice, John Reese, whatever, from like Drive Like Jehu, Hot Snakes, Rocket from the Crypt. He put mm-hmm. out a solo record called Ride the Wild Night. Mm-hmm. That I thought was excellent, kind of rocket from the crypt style, just fun rock and roll. And then he started a super group of sorts called Plosives with the singer uh-huh. of Pinback. Did you ever like them, Jake? Oh, Pinback, yeah, that's cool. So it's the singer of Pinback, the drummer from Against Me, and him playing guitar. The album's called Plosive, self-titled. It's really good. That dude from Pinback has like such a unique voice. It's cool to hear him singing mm-hmm. over John Reese style guitar riffs. So yeah, that's just a little punk roundup. If you're into some heavier music, would you make a quick like playlist with like a couple songs that you like from those albums and send it to me? We can put it up on the the podcast links too. Sure, I will text it to you after this. Yeah, because then we yeah just do that and then call it like Ian's like uh, Punkarama, and then we'll have like a nice little mix for like we'll put a couple songs from today's. Uh, main records and then you know the new stuff you mentioned uh, I, I like that Hot Water Music album I don't know if I like it as much as you did but um, I still need to finish listening to it and I think that is it for me well everybody it has been another great uh, walk down the street that is Jubilee make sure you see the uh, four-legged dog officer before exiting the road as you will need to get a ticket for jaywalking uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Hey, but if you, uh, you if like, you pay rate. if you pay Blue the intern dog off with like I don't know like three milk bones, she won't write you a ticket. Mm-hmm. She won't write you a ticket. So come prepared with milk bones. You didn't hear that from us though. She'll because you know she's trying to fit into a new or maybe a harness. handful of blueberries. Handful of blueberries, whatever you're feeling. Maybe a little mashed up sweet potato if you're lucky. Um, but you can check us out on Apple Podcasts. You can rate like subscribe all that good stuff leave us a review we'd love to get a five-star review it helps us so much getting up there in the music 
criticism ranks or whatever we're put under. Uh, same for Spotify. Follow, rate, subscribe there. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Jubilee Street Pod. We've got an email account where we do a mailbag, jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And in our Instagram bio, there's a link tree where it takes you to all of our links. So that's always a good place like to find everything that you want from us. Um, we've got some playlists there. Uh, it has been a while since I updated the Nick Cave playlist, but I'm working on getting a new one for everything we've covered in 2022. So stay tuned for that if you want something to listen to while you're driving around, though you should be listening to Jubilee Street. Thank you all. We love you. Good night. Have a great week.